Brian and I have been friends for a very long time now, and uh, we've had uh, some amazing experiences together, uh, not only here in Europe, in the U.S., but in crazy places, um, which um, we never thought that we would go to together. And um, more than all that, though, more than the business and the value that we've created, um, the one thing I've learned from Brian over the years is the meaning of grace and extending that grace uh, from him to me and um, also from me to Brian as we make mistakes and, uh, you know, learn from each other how to be better people and how to serve each other. And I, and I hope that uh, that same grace uh, that, that uh, you extend to us as an open source company, uh, we, we make a lot of mistakes. Um, if you're a partner, you know uh, about some of the mistakes that we've made. Um, and certainly if you're a community member, you know that uh, we make a lot of decisions like no Java docs or whatever, and then we later realize, oh, like, oh, we should have Java docs. And um, it's all part of a process and a relationship that we're very, very happy to be a part of with you. So uh, with that, uh, I'm just going to have uh, ask Brian to uh, speak a little bit about why he's still doing what he's doing. And um, I don't have a gift for you for your birthday, but here's a captive audience. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. So um, first, I just thank you. Um, it means a lot to me. This is actually my favorite symposium of, of all the ones around the world, Part, partly because there's so many uh, geeky people here, and I just feel right at home with them. And uh, yeah, and just you know, thank you for coming. I uh, just really appreciate it. So one of the things I want to talk about is, sorry, it's so loud. Uh, why, why symposiums? Uh, why, why are we here, and, and why should you guys be here? There's, it's, um, it's for two reasons. One is to learn and to teach. So while we're up here, uh, it may look like we're teaching you guys and giving you guys facts, but in reality, it's not, it's not a one-way street. As often as we're teaching, so we're learning from you guys, from the community, from partners, uh, from our customers, from other coworkers. So it's a two-way street, so it's to teach and to learn. And I hope that while you guys are here, while you guys are learning, you guys realize that the input that you guys give to us uh, really helps us um, learn as well. So that's why we're here uh, at symposiums. And one of the things that makes me really happy coming to this one, this is actually uh, our, my fifth uh, German symposium. The first one was actually in Leipzig with about 30 people. So every year we've grown, and uh, I was talking to, uh, while I was eating dessert or something, I was talking to one of our uh, attendees who's been here uh, three times already, and they first um, used Liferay when it was a uh, 4.4. And they've upgraded every single version. And then I've, I meet some other people that just started using Liferay for 6.0. So I get a good mixture of old and new. And I love hearing uh, the, the problems that they have uh, and, and, the, and the joys that they have so that, I, so that we can learn from them. So thank you. Now, we hope that you guys keep coming in the future. Now, to, exp to explain some more of why I'm still here at Liferay, um, I want to talk. I want to answer it from uh, two perspectives. One is from the business perspective, and one is from a personal perspective. And I'm kind of, I'm going to go like this. So, from the business perspective, I want to talk about the hope that I feel uh, strongly optimistic about LifeRay um, in the future, uh, where we are now, and where we came from. And then, from a personal level, I want to talk about where I came from, where I am now, and where I hope to be in a couple years or many years from now. 
So first, uh, let's talk about the business hope. I'm extremely optimistic. Uh, a lot of people ask me, so what's next after the portal? What do you guys, what do you guys expect to do? And uh, I, can, I can tell you that uh, just as Microsoft used uh, Windows as their core product, and from there they pivoted and they added Office, uh, SQL Server, and a bunch of other things, um, so our goal is to use the portal and from there pivot and add on and, and, and build uh, um, value that way. Uh, if you look at Oracle, they did the same thing. They used the database and from there they added apps and so forth. So don't think that this is, you know, life as a company is a one-trick pony and we think very short-term. No, we think very long-term and we see uh, extreme value in that. But in order for that to happen, we really need the marketplace to take off. And that's where uh, we require everyone's help in order to make this happen. So if you look, uh, one of the slides earlier talked about Steve Ballmer saying developers develop developers. What made Microsoft so good um, 10 years ago? It's because there were tons of apps on Windows XP, right? Or Windows, you could buy all the video games on it. Nowadays, a lot of the games that you wanna buy, they only appear on an iPhone. So in the same way, in the enterprise portal market, we see, uh, we see that we can be an, an agent of change, um, several degrees higher than what we're currently experiencing. So we're extremely optimistic about that. And one of our goals as a company in the long haul is to remain an independent open source company. There are very few out there. Um, if you look at um, a lot of the open source companies, they take venture capital, they and then they flip it and they just get absorbed. And, and I heard somebody else say consolidation happens. But that's not our goal. Our goal is to remain independent and that's going to be very good for you guys. So um, why, why do we feel so hopeful about the future of LifeRay? Well, we feel so hopeful about it because we saw where we came from and where we are now. So I want to give some, um, just, just some, a snapshot of where we are right now as a company. So for those of you who've been here a year or two, uh, who've observed LifeRay, you may think from 6.0 to 6.1 with all those new features that that was, that was a lot. And the reality is almost every release that we've done from 4.4, actually from 3.5, 3.6, 3.6 to 4.0, 4.0, 4.2, all, every, every single minor version, we've basically rewritten the entire product. But every time we rewrite the entire product, we've still kept the core very similar with very good design patterns so that things upgrade. And, and are doable. And we're at, a, we're at a point where we can continue to innovate. We have a team, a mature team. And our mature team isn't just located in one country. It's across the world. And so right now, LifeRay is a company. We have about 250 people. We have offices. I'm going to try to visualize it this way. Uh, Los Angeles, Chicago, uh, Brazil, uh, Spain, um, Hungary, Germany, uh, Croatia, and Serbia. And then uh, Malaysia, Bangalore, and uh, China. And we didn't want to open up any of these offices. What ended up happening was we found talent in those different countries and through the, through the community members we said, oh, I guess you can work for LifeRay and we'll, we'll just open up offices. And by doing that we have worldwide presence now. And because of that uh, worldwide presence, um, not only can we innovate, we can do QA and, and, and so forth. But let me describe some of the things. A lot of people ask me, why, aren't, why didn't you give any other tech talks this year? And the, re and the reason I didn't is because I've cloned myself. Um, and, and it's worked. I look at the, the team of developers we have. They're, I think they're, uh, they're smarter than me. They're, they're, they're actually, so I, I didn't clone myself. I made versions of myself 2.0. So they're, they're better versions of me. I, you saw what we did. We basically rewrote an enterprise content management system. We rewrote an ECM. And it's tied into LifeRay, and we did it in about a year. 
And it's and I didn't write most of the code. All I did was I reviewed it. So we've we've set up a proper team. We're we're actually we have a really good team. Now that goes beyond just the development life cycle. It goes to the QA life cycle. So how do we QA the product? Because if we innovate and the product isn't stable, it's worthless to you guys. So um, right now we have 250 servers um, running out of LA. It costs us about at least $10,000 a month now just in you know, all the fees of, of, at the colo just to maintain these. And we need um, these type of servers instead of going on the cloud because we utilize it 80 to 90% of the time. And each of the servers runs four VMs. So every time we do a commit, um, we trigger off with Hudson, sorry, Jenkins, and it does a build. And when it does a build, it tests it on WebSphere, WebLogic, um, Tomcat, JBoss, and all these different on all these different systems, and it's all clustered. And this is the type of stuff that two years ago, we had 20 servers. And when somebody asked me, how many more servers do you guys need just for QA? I said, 100, we'll never use more than that. So right now, our plans are actually uh, to get 1,000 a, a servers uh, within the next year in order to improve quality. And that's just our QA side, right? And in order to make that happen, we actually have to invest and, and buy a new office. So we just bought a, an office space, and it's uh, 50,000 square feet. So whatever that is, I think it's 5,000 square meters. So it's a huge office, and we're going you know, to section off part of it just, just for servers so we can improve quality for everyone. And besides that, besides QA and development support, um, back in the day, I did support when somebody would have to, you know, and, and nowadays, it's distributed so that when I'm supposed to be sleeping, somebody else can still be serving you guys. And it's done all around the world. Why? Because we find the best person that can solve our customer issues. And that person may be in China or LA or Hungary or Spain or Germany. Um, and at the same time, we've built up our sales team because a company that doesn't make money can't invest money into R&D. And we've built out the sales team. Um, and then a company that just makes stuff that doesn't promote it or tell other people about it without a real marketing team doesn't work. And uh, two years ago, uh, Paul Hins joined us from uh, Sun, um, sorry, from Oracle, and uh, you know, helped us revamp a lot of our marketing. So it's improved significantly in the last uh, two years. And, and besides that, uh, you need a legal team. I remember back in the day when um, we didn't know um, how, to, how to do legal documents and we would just find it on Google. And nowadays, we actually have lawyers across different countries. I never thought I'd, I'd, I'd have lawyers that, that I'd work with. So things have changed <laughs> significantly. And, and that's just from, from us as a company of where we are now. But you can also look at the, the, um, the maturity of the community. Uh, the, uh, and that, a lot of that is due to James Faulkner last year uh, joining the company as well and, and really nurturing that. And, and we're flying people out here. We're, we're, we're meeting them. We're, we're talking uh, to them. We're engaging the community instead of just treating the community um, with, without engaging them. And you can look at our download count as well. This year, we're, we're aiming at 1.2 million downloads. So over a lifetime, it's at least over 3 million because that was last year. So I don't know what our download count is this year. But it's growing. You can tell from our message board posts and, our, and, and all the traction that we have. And that's a kind of buzz that you cannot buy. It's either you have it or you, or, or you don't. Um, and, and, that's, and that's why I'm very optimistic about our future. And the other thing is finally, what's, what's very important too is uh, we, have, we have customers. We, we, we don't just have one or two enterprise customers. We have a large number of Fortune 500 companies all use us. We have, when I was in the West Coast Symposium, they showed us one of the uh, top three banks in America. Their entire business stuff is all on LifeRay. So when large uh, traditional institutions start moving to us, you can tell that uh, 
IBM's not going to be very happy. So we have that. But besides having those large enterprise customers, we also have tons of small small uh, business customers as well. So we're not tied uh, to one customer where they could just you know put a gun to us and make us do something we don't want to do. We just we have we we've we've built up. Uh, we've built up a team. We have money now. And, and, and I was even thinking, I was talking to a VC a couple months back, and I had to tell him, you know, leave us alone. Go away. We don't want your money. Okay, we've never wanted your money, but we definitely don't want your money right now because even if we had the money, we wouldn't do anything different than what we're doing now with the money we're, we're earning, which is reinvesting it back into the product and in a way to serve our customers. Now, I'm also going to talk about um, where, where we came from. Uh, as a business, and a lot of the values that we had uh, came from the fact that uh, I, I started work right during the dot com at the tail end of the dot com boom, and things were really nasty uh, during the dot com bust. And because of that, we're extremely uh, conservative, fiscally conservative in how we spend our money. So, for example, from uh, all the years that we've existed, uh, right now we uh, we have 60 de- developers in Los Angeles, and we work out of 100 square meters. That probably wouldn't be legal in Germany, but, but, but in LA you can get away with that. And it, we, it, it, we're more, I think we're more efficient than, than an economy airline. So that's some of the stuff. Uh, one of the other things is um, we, we rent from, from a church because you know they use it Mondays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and Monday through Fridays nobody really uses it. And so by doing that we're able to save money, and by saving money we're able to pass on uh, those savings to you guys by hiring more engineers to be more innovative. Um, a lot of the other things is we came from a consulting background. Um, and uh, over the years, we've been able to shift from a consulting company to being a product company. And that shift is extremely difficult to do. A lot of companies uh, struggle in that process. Uh, but because we've been able to do that, now we can really focus on R&D, which is why if you look at what we've been able to create for 6.1, it's an incredible amount of stuff. Okay. So that's business future, present, and past. So now let me talk about on the personal side. And the reason why I have to delve on it is because uh, the reality is I started LifeRay. And um, I'm, I'm intricately tied to the company. Uh, my wife makes fun of me because she calls it my, my second wife. Um, and it's just, I'm just intricately tied to it. So I want to share some of, some of my personal motivations is, is some of the exact same reasons why um, the business operates in a certain fashion. So um, let me talk about my past, where I came from. So how did LifeRay start? People ask me this all the time, and, and where did you get the name LifeRay? So I was uh, actually uh, interviewing uh, at another company, and, and, and a bunch of us were hanging out together because we had nothing to do, and I met this guy, his name was Ray. And he said, let's start a company together doing medical devices. And I said, great, let's do that. And he said, but I'll only uh, start a company with you if my name is in the name of the company. And I said, man, Brian and Ray, that just sounds horrible. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have that rain tone of, of, a, of a legal firm or something. So I, I don't want my name in it. And um, the only thing, word I could think of at the time was a death ray. And I said, death ray would be a horrible name um, for, for a medical device company, so why not life ray? So that's, that's how we got the name life ray. And, and I bought the domain name, and the next week he never called me back. And I, didn't, I still don't know where he is. So I just bought the domain name, and I didn't, I didn't do anything with it. And then, um, around that time, my, my pastor said, uh, hey, I need a website for, for the church. I was like, okay. And, um, I sa- and I was working for a portal consulting company, so I said, wouldn't it be awesome if we could use a portal for our church? And I called uh, the, uh, the vendor, 
And they said, sure, you can have it. It'll cost you $100,000 for the license and $200 per user per year. Of course, our church couldn't afford that. So from the very beginning, a life ray was architected for my pastor. And, but when, when, I, when I did it, I thought, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if instead of just helping my pastor, I could help lots of nonprofit groups? So instead of building a custom website, let's build a framework. And I just kept building frameworks upon frameworks. And, and, and we did that for four years. And then what happened was um, the Madrid school system ended up using us, even though they had bought... Uh, spent a lot of money with, with another vendor, but their product never worked. So at the last minute, they used our open source product, slapped, spent 20% of the time they were supposed to spend 100% on the project and helped us build it. And, and, and that's, that was the first real use case from a couple years ago. So that's, those are my roots. That's where, that's where I come from. Um, where am I right now? Uh, right now, I've, I've been coding for 10 years, and I love coding still. Um, one of the things that people make fun of us for is that uh, every line of code that gets uh, committed into LifeRay, I still review. And a lot of the new developers that we hire uh, get surprised by it because they don't realize that, yes, at LifeRay, when you write code, somebody is going to read it. Actually, multiple people, multiple people are going to read it. And if it's no good, it's not going into the product. I'm extremely... Uh, uh, perfectionistic about this, um, and, and, and I still do it. But now, it's, uh, a lot of people will ask me, is that scalable? Sure, that may improve quality, but how are you going to do that with more time? Well, with Git, it's been really helpful. Because by now, we've, be cre we've created a tree of developers. So before something gets to me, it's already gone through two levels of review, and those people are as perfectionistic as I am now. So we're able to create, a, we have a team of people who code a certain way, who want to innovate, and that provides a platform for that. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, delegating and mentoring to others. But what about the future? Um, for me, um, one of the things that, um, that I really live by is I think everyone should live in such a way to be as happy as possible. I think most people will, will agree with that, with, that, uh, with that type of philosophy. And, uh, I, and I fully agree with that. And uh, so I want to be as happy as possible. And for me, uh, to be as happy as possible, uh, I, I link myself to a French um, scientist slash mathematician. Uh, I ran into a French guy today, and he reminded me of it. Um, and, and the French guy, um, his name was Pascal. And he basically said, oh, do you remember when you're a kid and you play uh, with wooden blocks, right? You see a circular block, so you put a circular block in there, and you see a square block, and you put a square block there, right? It's one of those games you play as a kid. And what Pascal noted was, inside each of our, our hearts, there's a shape. And for him, he basically said, he found in himself a, a God-shaped hole. And the only thing that could satisfy him was God, for him. And, and I link myself to him because I could, when he said that, wow, that makes perfect sense to me. Because I've tried filling my heart with awesome technology, but what I realize is three years later, there's a new version of the iPhone that comes out, and it's dusty now, and it doesn't satisfy me. And what really satisfies me is, uh, is for me, it's, it's, it's God expressing itself through helping people. Now, how, do, how, do, how, do, how does me loving God expressing itself through, other, uh, through loving other people look like as a programmer? It, hap it works itself out as an open source programmer for me. So the way I see it is, let me explain. To me, I really believe that uh, work is good. Work, work is not, I, don't, I think that if, it's very sad if, if you wake up and you don't want to go to work. And, but the reality is that happens for a lot of people. It's even more sad when you want to work, but you can't work and therefore you can't eat. So um, I also believe that frameworks 
can help facilitate so that people can work, so that people can help each other and serve each other. So one example I'm going to use is the marketplace. But I'm not going to use our marketplace because it's not out yet, but I'm hoping that it can do the same thing. The marketplace I'm going to talk about is the Apple marketplace. So imagine this. Back in the day, before the iPhone, before the marketplace, would it be possible for a kid, a 13-year-old kid, to write some app, distribute it so that a bunch of people could pay 99 cents because they get enjoyment from that app and pay that kid? No, it would be impossible because there would be all these barriers to entry. But by creating a proper framework, now people who could never serve somebody else can serve them. Now that principle of, a, of an electronic marketplace expands far beyond that to human structures. So one example is, uh, I, and we all know about the Egyptian uh, riots. And how did the Egyptian riots start? Well, it started in Tunisia. Well, how did that happen? Well, in Tunisia, what happened was there's a guy he was a master's student, he graduated, and after he graduated, he couldn't find work because the marketplace system they had in place could not allow him to serve others. So what did he do? He went to go sell fruit, but the police took his fruit stand. And so because of that, out of desperation, he pours oil on himself and lights himself on fire. Okay? And then everyone else sees that desperation and says, I know how you feel, and therefore you have massive riots. And what happened in Egypt? Okay? There's a 30-some-year-old guy who's just trying to do business, who's trying to make a buck, who's trying to make a dollar so he could survive. Um, what, what does he do? He, he can't make money. So he lights himself on fire out of desperation. And then you have the Egyptian riots. So this all ties in, yes, to the Apple marketplace. Because with technology, some guy from some foreign country who may not have access uh, in, a, in, in, a, in, in their physical marketplace to make money can now, through technology, in a virtual marketplace, participate with the rest of the world and make some money. And in order for that to happen, it's going to require people transitioning those skills. So the reason why I'm still at LifeRay and why I'm a programmer is because LifeRay is the best avenue for me to do that. I can go to foreign countries. I can go over there. E even if I went in there as a... As a with some PhD and some very well-known developer, it would not mean as much as having the backing of an open source project where, uh, where LifeRay is already used in their, in their countries. And through that, I can serve the people and say, hey, all I want to do is teach you how to build portlets and how to use HTML, CSS, and how to use Java so that using those skills, you can build web apps and you can make some money. And, and that, to me, is, is my uh, expression of loving other people um, being Pascal-like and say, I'm going to fill my heart with, with love for God. Now, that, sound, that can also uh, sound a lot, like a lot of garbage and marketing mumbo-jumbo and BS, but it's not. This, this is really who we are. And, and that's why we're, we're not going to sell the company. Um, we're, we're not in it to flip it. Okay? We're not Alfresco. We're not MySQL. We're not JBoss. Okay? We don't have any VC. There's no gun behind us where we have to exit in three years. Now, why should you care? what our motivation is. What does it benefit you? There's a huge uh, benefit to you guys. So let me tell you why it benefits you guys. Because there's not going to be a brain drain here. Okay? When, when JMOS was acquired by Red Hat, a bunch of their guys, they waited till their golden handcuffs, their contracts expired, and they all fled. And then innovation stopped there. They didn't have an OSGI app server until Glassfish had it like years later. Okay? Um, so we're not going to have that brain drain. You're gonna, the, the same innovation that you've seen us do from 3.5 every year added on, we're going to do our best to keep innovating that way until we go to, you know, as long as we can. 
Okay, what's, uh, what's another benefit? You're going to get better customer satisfaction and, and you're going to get better innovation. Why? Why would that happen? Because you're not going to see a rotating door. At a lot of companies, um, you'll, get, you'll get one person who's your, um, who's your account manager and then three years later it's a different account manager. Or the person who wrote 6.0 of a product is an entirely different team from somebody who wrote 6.1. No, with Life, it's been the same core team. We're constantly improving. And because of that, um, you're going to get consistency in the code and when, you're going to get better customer satisfaction. Why? Because if you yell at us, we're going to be around three months from now and if we don't fix it, you're going to keep yelling at us. And we don't want you to yell at us, so we're going to improve, which is why we now have Javadocs. So, things, so change happens here because we're going to have to hear it. Okay. Now, another benefit is uh, if you looked at a lot of the other when, when you build on LifeRay, in reality, you're putting a huge investment. Okay? You're saving a ton of money, but you're also putting a huge investment. And, and any time you use a technology, you're, you're, you're taking a risk. Right? And so you want to minimize risk. So think about it this way. Oracle acquired uh, four different portal vendors. Okay? And I talked to one person who was using Aqualogic before it was, when it was Plumtree, and then uh, BA bought them, and then a year later, Oracle bought them. So they basically bought a product that's stale, that's constantly shifting hands, and it gets no love because it's all constantly somebody's new possession and they're trying to find a way to harness all the customers and destroy and, and kill that product. With Lifer, you're not playing Russian roulette that way. Okay, we're, we're a portal. We're going to be around. So, and, and, I, and I love it when I see uh, partners like, um, like SMC who've, who've been here for years and I, I just remember seeing their first set of portlets from three years ago and now. And I love it when our partners have the exact same type of uh, 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 consistency. So that's a quick summary of, 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 of LifeRay and, and of myself. Um, and um, I hope that you guys find value uh, coming to these symposiums. But ultimately, we hope that you can find value in our product. Um, our commitment is to make this the best product possible. We're going to create a marketplace. And we're going to make sure that you guys can make money off of that marketplace. Because the more money you guys make off of our marketplace, the more money we'll make. And the more money we'll make, the more I'll be able to go to other countries and help people. <laughs> so that's, that's the formula. And we're just being upfront about it. Okay, so uh, thank you for coming, guys.